Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. The Saturday night get-together here on CBS Sports Radio. Jody Mack coming your way live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home or refinance your current one, Rocket Mortgage can help you get there. Farm loan solutions that fit your life, Rocket can. All right, we're going to rock it out to the diamond. Some uh, major baseball action today and some teams heading in opposite directions. A bunch of things we're going to talk about with our next guest, MLB columnist extraordinaire for CBSSports.com, R.J. Anderson joins me here on CBS Sports Radio. R.J., how's your uh, early summer treating you? Uh, I can't complain. How about yourself? Well, I can complain. I can always complain. <laughs> you, you, you have faith in me. If there's complaining to be done, I can find a way to do it. Certain things I can't complain about, certain things I won't. I won't complain about the National League East. About 10 days, two weeks ago, the Mets were up by about 22 games, and everyone else in the division was below 500, and it looked like it was going to be a stone-cold laugher. Now, the Mets haven't quite come back to the pack yet, but the Braves have ripped off 10 in a row. The Phillies have ripped off 9 in a row. Shoot, even the Marlins have won five games in a row. What the heck happened in the NL East? Yeah, that's a great question because it does seem like all these teams I've gotten hot at the same time, and I don't really have an explanation for that. You know, you go situation by situation, and it kind of makes sense that the Braves, you know, the defending champion, finally kicked it in the gear because there was too much talent there for them to continue to play as poorly as they had. But, you know, the Phillies firing Joe Girardi, I, I guess they really didn't like Girardi, huh? Because they've done nothing but win since dismissing him. And then the Marlins, uh, you know, I, I can't say that, I really buy into the idea that team meetings usually, you know, breed good results. And I can't say that I necessarily like the idea of them publicly making it clear that they dislike their best player, or at least members of the roster dislike their best player. But they're even on a little mini winning streak here. So it's been tough to watch that National League West the last few weeks. It really has picked up quickly in the NL East. Uh, I do want to ask you specifically about one team that would be the Phillies. You mentioned Joe Girardi disappears. He actually won his last game. And Rob Thompson yeah. steps in and is 8-0 as manager. He may never lose a game. He may run the table the rest of the season. And I know Rob, and I like Rob. I didn't think Girardi was that bad a manager. But in listening to the players talk about it, there's a new vibe in the Phillies clubhouse. How important is vibe? Yeah, well, I mean, we've all been in work situations where you don't necessarily like your boss or, you know, you don't necessarily like the environment in which you're working. And we know that that can affect your mental state. We know that your mental state can affect your physical state and your performance. And, you know, it's unfortunate, unfortunate for Girardi, but the way I looked at it, you know, you can lose games as a manager. You can fail to develop young players as a manager. You can make tactical blunders as a manager. You can still keep your job. Once players are publicly putting their names on criticisms of the energy level and the vibe in the clubhouse, I think you're going to lose your job as a manager. And unfortunately for him, that's what happened here. We had multiple Phillies come out, stay in the press, you know, the team's just not playing with energy. We don't have the right, you know, vibe in the clubhouse. And once that happened, I knew it was kind of just a matter of time before they axed Girardi. And, you know, sure enough, they did. And, you know, whether it's coincidence or correlation, you know, they've really played good baseball since. 
it's probably a combination of the two, but if you say you got to pick one, I would lean toward correlation because they are playing a different brand of baseball. Do you think the fact that Dave Dombrowski didn't hire Girardi was part of the reason why? Usually guys come in in a power chair like Dombrowski taking over presidency, the whole organization. Yeah, you want to put your guys in place. Uh, Rob Thompson wasn't necessarily one of his guys, but do you think that shortchanged Girardi's leash? Oh, I think it's always easier for an executive to move on from a manager he didn't hire. And I would say that was also the case with the Angels, with Joe Madden. You know, Perry Manasian didn't hire Joe Madden. And I'm sure he's looking forward to hiring a manager this winter who he actually does hire, you know, who he actually did select. Uh, I would say it's kind of funny that the Phillies went with Thompson and that he's had such success because, you know, Thompson has been Joe Girardi's right-hand man dating mm-hmm. back to his days with the Yankees. So funny how that turns out sometimes does and uh, I, w- I watch all the Phillies games and I don't know that the new manager is doing much different than the old manager <laughs> but apparently the players are happy with it and they're responding and they're winning games for him uh, you mentioned the Madden firing Phil Nevin only one and three Rob Thompson's eight no how long does Phil Nevin have as the manager of the Angels yeah for real you know the funny thing is the Nickelback walk-up music gimmick or whatever you want to call it they did right after Madden was fired felt like such a Madden thing that if I didn't know any better I would have said Madden had planned that and Nevin just said okay well we're going to go ahead and do this anyway but you know Nevin's been someone who's been mentioned in managerial searches before and it'll be interesting to see if he can get that team back on track I think if you're just a casual baseball fan you're probably rooting for it because you want to see Shoei Itani and Mike Trout play this October we're talking to R.J. Anderson, MLB writer for CBSSports.com, here with us on CBS Sports Radio. All right, I saw on your site, home run rate up in Major League Baseball. <laughs> it's become a want for every baseball fan to want to talk about how many home runs are being hit or not being hit. Got off to a little bit of a slow start. It's picked up. Uh, of course, there's always the conspiracy theory of different baseballs. They bring out different balls, and depending on whether it's a nationally televised game or not, I think it's up for a very easy-to-read reason that the weather is getting warmer. There's always more home runs when the weather gets warmer. Is it that simple, or is there something else? I'm going to guess it's a combination of things. You know, we definitely have evidence that the ball has been inconsistent in its drag, which is basically a fancy way of saying, you know, how it moves through the air. And we also know that, yeah, the temperatures are up, and when the temperature goes up, the ball tends to be a little bit more lively anyway. So it's probably a combination of that. And who knows? You know, maybe the injury rate is up as well, and we're seeing more pitchers who are not necessarily a big league quality at this point. So I would guess it's a combination of things, but those two uh, variables that I started with, you know, maybe the liveliness of the baseball and the temperatures are probably the main driving forces, if I had to guess. All right. Uh, got to ask you about the New York Yankees, who right now are on pace to win about 120 games, 120 or and 42, somewhere thereabouts. They can't keep it up playing 724 baseball, can they? No, of course not. But, you know, to their credit, I think they're better than most people expected. I know some of the projection systems had them winning the American League East, and it was easy for us to scoff at them and say, ah, oh, you know, I like Toronto better or I like Tampa Bay or Boston better. And yet, you know, the Yankees have gotten a lot of mileage out of a pitching staff that I think was, you know, maybe a little overlooked during the winter and spring. And, you know, they've gotten some big contributions from guys like Aaron Judge. I really have to tip my cap to him because I thought he was wrong to turn down that extension offer. And now he's out here and he might be the American League MVP. I mean, he is just playing on another level right now. So kudos to him. And, 
you know, hopefully he keeps it up because if so, he's going to get a very, very, very nice contract this winter from someone, perhaps even the Yankees. Love when a player bets on himself and then goes out and wins. God bless him. May he get all that he's got coming to him. Uh, we were talking about the manager and the effect they have, wins and losses and everything else. Aaron Boone has been in New York since. Oh, that Joe Girardi guy was fired. But it took him about five years for it to kick in. It took about five minutes for it to kick in for Rob Thompson following in Joe Girardi's footsteps and having done shows in New York over the last couple of years. Not the most popular guy. A lot of people calling for his ouster at some point over the last couple of years. Well, he's the same guy who's managing the Yankees to a 725 winning percentage. What is Aaron Boone doing differently this year? I think he probably gave Aaron Judge the advice to go hit a lot of home runs. No, it just goes to show that, as we've kind of pointed out throughout the segment, you know, managers only have so much impact on wins and losses. And yeah, some managers are a little bit better managing the bullpen or maybe a little bit luckier you know, with their pinch hit decisions or what have you. But realistically, a manager is only going to affect uh, so many games and so many outcomes. And, you know, maybe you can say the difference between the best manager and the worst manager is substantial. I'm kind of skeptical. But, you know, I think for the most part, a lot of these managers are basically the same, and it just comes down to circumstances beyond their control. All right. Uh, we were debating on how teams improve, how teams win and or lose games, managerial effect, the players and the like. What kind of an effect does – one brother suing another over the power as to who's running their professional baseball team. I'm talking about the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, that's that's seemingly a really messy situation. And, you know, I just find the past few years of the Orioles, not only with the ownership aspect, but with how their front office is completely disregards the big league product to be unfortunate because, you know, I'm here in DC. I love going to Camden. I think it's, yeah, for me, it's my favorite ballpark in the majors. I love the city of Baltimore. I think it's a beautiful city. It's just hard to justify going and seeing that team. And, you know, that city, that fan base deserves better. I remember, you know, going to a game where they gave J.J. Hardy like three standing ovations and we're chanting his name. And it's just like, you know, you don't get this in every city. And so I really hope for the fan base's sake that, you know, all of this can be sorted out, the team stays there in that beautiful ballpark, and that they actually, you know, put more attention and more resources into that big league roster because I think the fan base really deserves a heck of a lot better than what the Orioles have given them the last few years. I think the Orioles have moved past red-hot mess into dumpster fire territory. We'll see if they can get it put out anytime soon. All right, another team that is surprising me, not that they're playing well. I thought they had a chance to play well, but they're kind of distancing themselves from the division. Minnesota Twins, four-game lead in that division, and it's not even over the Chicago White Sox. It's the Guardians who are hanging right at 500. First of all, what are the Twins doing right? And second of all, what's wrong with the White Sox? Yeah, I have to tip my cap to the Twins because if you look at their rotation right now, they have a rotation plus on the injured. And, you know, unfortunately, they just lost Royce Lewis for the season yesterday. I never torn ACL. It's a really rough break for him, but... You know, uh, the Twins have a core of position players who are pretty good. Uh, we knew about Byron Buxton. It was just a matter of could he stay healthy. And obviously they're managing his workload in a way that not everyone agrees with. But if it keeps him productive, it keeps him on the field and off the shelf, then, hey, by all means, do what you got to do. You know, we knew Carlos Correa was going to be a good addition for them. And, you know, they've gotten uh, production from unexpected contributors, both in that rotation and in the lineup. As for the White Sox, I mean, they're just a mess. You know, uh, 
it's ridiculous to look at their run differential and notice that they're among the worst in the American League. That's really not what we expected from a team who I think entering the spring was highly favored to win that division again. I know that you know it's easy to blame Tony Larusa, and I know I certainly uh, scoffed at his decision earlier this week to issue an intentional walk to Trey Turner. Excuse me, yeah, to Trey Turner to face Max Muncy, but you know it's not all on him either. That team really didn't have a lot of depth. They really still have a good farm system, and I don't know how they're going to dig themselves out of this hole other than with internal improvements. And, you know, we're 50-plus games into the season. You know, it's starting to get a little late early for them, I would say. Ben, let me ask you a question about that, and I'd completely uh, forgotten this, but now that I saw it, I just checked the box score. Rocco Baldelli's doing a nice job. I think he's a good manager. If you're Byron Buxton, how ticked off are you today? The two previous games, he had hit two home runs. There's only a handful of guys in the history of Major League Baseball who've had three straight games with multiple homers. He doesn't put him in the starting lineup today and then puts him in as a pinch runner so that it actually counts as a game and you're not going to get a chance to hit two home runs, just pinch running. Is Baldelli that confident in his relationship with A, Buxton, and B, the rest of the players? He can get away with something like that? I would say so. I mean, it probably helps that Buxton's receiving, you know, $100 million from the Twins over the next you got seven point. or whatever That's years. True. That goes a long way to, you know, <laughs> mend relationships. But, you know, Baldelli, to his credit, has a really good reputation in the game as a communicator and as a people manager. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if they're on the same page. And, you know, ultimately it's all about winning games, right? I think Buxton's at that point in his career with that huge contract and, you know, with his age and whatnot, where I think he probably prioritizes winning games, getting to a World Series, or at least getting to the playoffs more than anything else. Uh, you know, Baldelli's old mentor, Joe Madden, used to say there were four stages of a player's career. And that fourth stage is sort of a self-actualization where they say, I just want to win games. I don't care what happens. I don't care about my staff. I don't really care about my money. Just let's win games. And my guess is Buxton's either there or close to it. Well, I didn't get a $100 million contract, but for me, I would be a little bit ticked off, but maybe Byron Buxton is just a better human being than I am. All right, last thing for you, and I had a great conversation with a radio partner. I was doing a show in Philly early this morning. We got off on this tangent. Um, If I ask you right now who the two leading candidates were for Cy Young, NLAL, who you got? Oh, gosh, it's too early for those conversations. I mean, you know, there's so many candidates out there. You know, Joe Musgrove, for instance, pops to mind just because I've been really impressed with him. And, you know, he might be getting one of those 100 million plus dollar contracts because he's in his walk here. But I don't even really start thinking about, you know, the order of the candidates or anything like that until after the all-star break and early. You know, All right. So let me give you mine and uh, okay. get you to respond. I had Joe Musgrave in the National League, so you and I are on the same page there. American League, Shane McClanahan, who has been unbelievable for the Rays. Just another pitcher that they've developed. Not only is he striking out the world, he's doing so in record time. He is the best thing for pace of play in all of baseball. They played a game in under two hours <laughs> that he pitched the other day. So if those are your two Cy Young winners at the end of the season, uh, Musgrave and McClanahan. If you had bet yeah. that exacta ahead of time, or that daily double ahead of time, it probably would have paid more than the Kentucky Derby winner did at eighty to one uh, five weeks yeah. ago. No one had Musgrave and McClanahan. And here's where my question goes: Where are today's superstar starting pitchers? They just don't exist anymore. If you go back and check Cy Young winners, uh, we'll go back to like the uh, '90s. 
Uh, go back before the decade turned over. Clements and Glavin, Eckersley and Maddox, Jack McDowell, Maddox, Maddox and Cole, Maddox and Johnson, Johnson and Clements, Clements and Martinez, Pedro and Johnson. All these guys are going to the Hall of Fame. Who in yeah. Major League Baseball right now, top flight starting pitchers, are going to be Hall of Famers? Yeah, and I would add that, you know, you could also make a case for Sandy Alcantara and Martin Perez, and I think those would have provided generational wealth if you had gambled on them. But, you know, to your point, I would say that the superstar starters are right now on the injured list. You know, you have uh, Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom still out, and Clayton Kershaw has had his fair share of injuries, and, you know, we can go down the list. Justin Verlander has missed, you know, full season plus, and so on and so forth. And the reality of it is the role has really changed and how teams approach these pitchers' health has really changed. You know, they're not shy anymore about putting them on the injured list. They're not shy about reducing their innings and their workload if they believe that that's the best path forward. And unfortunately, that means we're probably not going to see a number 300 game winner anytime soon, if ever again. And unfortunately, that means we can't just say, you know, oh, I, I want my workforce to get 200-plus innings. You know, the standards are changing and what teams look for are changing. And I had a front office member predict to me a few years ago that, at some point in the near future, we're not even going to talk about pitchers with regards to how many innings they pitch. We're going to talk about them, and also independent of like starter, reliever, what have you. We're going to talk about them as in this is a guy who gets three outs, or this is a guy who faces you know 18 batters or what have you. And you kind of see that shift already happening. You know, you look at Tampa Bay and some of these ever progressive clubs who are usually trailblazers strategically. It's already happening, and uh, I can't say if it's for the better or worse. Personally, I love the starting pitcher. I love the idea of, you know, watching the main character of the game, in my opinion, go out there and throw seven-plus innings. That's not the reality we live in anymore. And when you factor in the last few years, you know, the pandemic shortened season, the late start to this year, I kind of get it. You know, it's unfortunate for me and my preferences, but I get it. And, uh, you know, I can just hope that it keeps people healthier in the future and maybe they make up for a lack of quantity with improved quality. Now, RJ, you're younger than I am, so I know you're going to be around. But I'm hoping to be around from 2035 to 2040 when no starting pitchers get inducted into the Hall of Fame. And I can be the crotchety old guy saying, get off my lawn, kids. Because uh, I'll tell you right now, I don't think it's for the betterment of the game. But that's just me. I'm old school. RJ, thanks for putting up with this old school guy, giving us good insight and info. Appreciate it greatly. We'll get you on again soon enough. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. My pleasure. That is R.J. Anderson, MLB writer, columnist for CBSSports.com. All right, Jody Mack coming back. We bebopped all around for the first three hours of tonight's show. We're going to add baseball in the mix with all the hoops and hockey conversation, little Belmont Stakes action. Hop aboard my telephone lines. Hit me up at 855-212-4227. We like to call this the Saturday Night Get-Together here on CBS Sports Radio. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.